Isaac, do you have a ghost story? Uh, uh, not that I could think of. Really? No, like honestly, the only the only ghost thing that I can think of is how creaky and old my grandma Jean's house was. Mm, mm. I just think there's something about an old house. Yeah, that's that, spooky. That kind of, I mean, they were like, they had like these nearly transparent white curtains that would flow mm. at the top of a creaky staircase with really large wooden pillars and wooden railways, like lots of wood, lots of creaking. Yeah. Smells yeah. like dust. <laughs> Um, I was really scared to get in the closet, and there were these. Wait, wait, wait there were these. Wait, what, what? Well, okay, because you were just had, going into the closet. Yes, yes, because the toys were in the closet, mm. but the closets were built by some like. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was thinking. They were they're very large closets, okay, for children's rooms, like a walk-in clo- closet. Yeah, but then but then the ceiling was like a cone or like a triangle, right? Yeah. Like most ceilings, okay. But you could see the slanted ceiling in the closet. Oh, so think about it. You walk okay. into the closet, and this as is you like look upstairs, yes, okay. as you look uh, towards the wall of the closet, like you walk in, it's a flat wall. You turn to your right, the ceiling comes down into a slanted triangle. Mm. So the closet's a triangle, right? So it almost seems like, like how do I put it? It's like a visual uh, mind trick. Okay. It just feels really weird. And then there were these hatches in the closet. You could open <laughs> hatches? You can open No, 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 hatches. <laughs> you would open the hatches and and the hatches would lead to other rooms closets. Oh no. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. So that like come on. Yeah. As that's kid, that's creepy. As a kid, I'm like, this is weird. Why did my dad grow up here? This explains a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, see that's funny because I feel like as a kid you have more of those intuitions of like this is like really mm-hmm. creepy. You know what I mean? Like this is this is terrifying. That house has a basement. Oh no. Sadly, a majority of that house has been um well, actually not sadly. It's beautiful now. Mm. It's in Los Gatos. It's a super nice house. Yeah, yeah. It's like in a prime spot. They redid it. It's probably like stupid expensive now. Now, yeah. Um, but it still has a like a majority of those old tendencies. But I would say before the remodels, like the redone kitchen, the kitchen's kind of modern now and stuff. Mm. Like, dude best way to break into the film scene for you, Cameron. You know entry directors. <laughs> entry directors, they do horror first, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, that would have been a great house to shoot at. Uh, up and down, there's just so many different feelings. I, I honestly feel like if I had the chance to shoot a film there, like a horror film or some sort of like contained story, I would think each act would take place on each floor mm. of the building, which I think would be a really fun idea. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much character to the house. It's changed, it's modernized. Who knows? Maybe in 20 years it'll be creepy again. So Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? But no, no apparent ghost stories that I can think of at my top of the top of the head. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this recently because um, well, my work has a ghost. Uh, oh. Her name is Margaret. Um, You've named it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her. It's a she. Okay. Um... Yeah, Why, we, was she killed there or something? Um, we've made up a backstory, but okay. uh, we don't know really. Um, but but we named it Margaret for some some odd reason. I, I don't really know. But she lives in. <laughs> we have a little cubby. This is total total tangent. Not where I was going to go with this, but she has a little cubby. Um, she has back, a cubby back in shoes. It's like a it's like a cutout. So half of half of our downstairs is 
basically it's underground, no right. windows. Right. Looks like it's cut out of like cement. Yes. Basically. Yes. That's how the basement was at my grandma's too. Yeah. So, so that's where, that's where I do all my, you know, do all of my work is underground. Right. Right. This kind of creepy basement. Explains um, a lot. Yeah. But even creepier than the general feel of it is you go back into shoes and it gets dark. And then there even further there's a dark little room that we use for storage and right. it leaks. <laughs> it leaks and we call it Margaret's room. Oh. Um, because uh No no no. I don't want to go there. Yeah, it's it's the ghost room. Yeah. Um but 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 really what we what people have said is that they every now and then will either feel some like feel like a like a, mm-hmm. a spook, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll see someone like turning the corner, right? Oh, yeah, come on. So, I don't know. So I, I, you know, I don't know. But um, uh, that that one, I've never, I've never experienced Margaret myself. Um, and I spend a lot of time in shoes. So, you know, maybe she likes me. Don't sound bite that. But. That sentence, please. <laughs> but uh, my my actual ghost story is not my own. Um, it's my mom's. Mm, mm. My mom has a really, really funny ghost. Not funny. It was actually kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, from when, when she was a kid and Cody, Cody is listening. So, um, if I've Cody, if I get anything wrong, um, be sure to correct me. Email at ecfspodcast at gmail. <laughs> When's the last time we checked that email, <laughs> dude? I don't know. Um, but anyways, so she used to live in a house in the east side of San Jose. And that house used to, there was something strange about that house. Apparently someone had died in that residence before them. Apparently. And apparently of suicide. If I ever buy a house where someone is committed suicide in, I'm like, come on, deep discount, $100,000 off, easy. Come on. Prob- it's, yeah, I mean, that's probably, I don't know. It might have been cheaper. Who knows? But, um, or there was there was some domestic violence. There was something like that mm-hmm. inside the house. So already there was kind of an uneasy feeling in one of her brother's rooms. There was <laughs> originally when they moved in, there was a stain in the carpet, a red stain in the carpet. So well, blood does turn brown after a long chunk of time. Yeah, it's so. true. I mean, who knows? It probably was just wine. You it could have been. It could have been. So. Um, but every time she would go up into her the master bedroom, her mom's room, um, to, you know they had a phone in there because it had to be hardwired into into the wall. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so they had a phone up there, and whenever it would ring, she would have to go in and answer the phone. And she always hated it because whenever she went in, she saw something, um, kind of like silvery. I don't know. It, it, she just had she saw something. Um, like run into the closet basically Ugh. every time, um, and um, it always freaked her out. Like ever, you know, uh, she, I think she lived in the in the house for like a couple of years, five years or something. Right, right. Um, so it always freaked her out. She hated going in there. Um, one time, she is. I think she picks up the phone. She's on the phone. She turns around and she sees what looks like a monk <laughs> in the closet. <laughs> Um, and so she runs out, obviously she's, she's freaked out about it, but she doesn't tell her mom, um, until later they're talking about this house and her mom brings up the fact that, you know, 
she always felt uneasy about this house because um, she felt like there was something there was something wrong. And her mom said, "Yeah, one time I saw I saw a monk in in the closet." <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> isn't that just nuts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a man of faith, so I don't doubt no spiritual nonsense going on. Who knows? I don't think we're ever gonna know. I don't know. There's weird stuff that happens on Earth. You ever yeah. see those weird pictures of the cows that were like abducted by UFOs? You ever see those like UFO proof? It's just like cow carcasses in the middle of nowhere hung up on trees like they had fallen from the sky just like skewered into trees no i have like seen what that. on earth that like, is weird yeah yeah or like cows with that were out on the field then like with a bunch of like it was like freshly dead but a bunch of its like intestines were removed and its mm. eyes sorry i know it's super graphic <laughs> um yeah, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. The world's f- full of weird things, weird things like this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Everything Comes From Something, episode 78. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tull. And we're only going to say our names oh once this episode because we are moving. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast where you can throw a couple bucks our way and get a question on the show. Not You don't just have to listen to Cameron's questions. Today's episode has a question from Eric and Ariel Walk, our Patreon producers they asked us in a recent episode either uh, 69 or 70 you mentioned that you heard this is me an adult being very harsh on with someone on the phone or something along those lines was in your it was in your train of thought we are in our 20s and we still don't really refer to ourselves as adults when do we actually become an adult and do you think you just kind of fake it until you make it um do you see yourself as an adult right now cameron hmm um, I think I do, but I, I feel like I have an old personality <laughs> in a lot of ways. I feel very curmudgeonly and I don't go out a lot and I like apparently, to stay Apparently you work in a shoe cave. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's um, great. I, th- I think a part of, of that train of thought is, you know, just trying to stay like staying young at heart. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I've always felt a little older for my age. Yeah. Uh, something about being the middle kid. And I think my parents told me that a lot. I'm not sure if it's really true because uh, sometimes I act like a big baby, <laughs> especially when I don't eat. Um, good Lord, I had five guys tonight because I didn't eat all day. Yeah. Like I didn't eat anything. And I was like, I could eat a, I could eat a cow. <laughs> And I was like, you know what, you know what this calls for? Five guys. You know, gastric death. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to five guys and load up and be a plump, happy person all the way up on the commute. And I sat in traffic and, and my stomach like was full. Yeah. I mean, I, it's still sitting like a brick and wow. You know, I almost fell asleep in that car because mm. the heat was cranked and I was right, just like, right, wow. Right. Yeah. Whoa, dude. Whoa. Please don't do that. It was raining too. So. Yeah. If you died on 280 coming up to my house, I would feel like horrible. You know what I mean? Well, you know, tomorrow it's going to be raining in the bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyways, if you don't have a... Uh, uh, oh, wait, we didn't even finish the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are actually you an adult? Answer. I just made a poop joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that is that is interesting. I feel like 
at our age, we tend to not think of ourselves as adults. Um, when do you think people actually start calling themselves adults? I don't know. I felt more like an adult when I f- first paid taxes. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 I looked at my pay stub. I said, wait, wait a second. How much? And then that's, that's when I became an adult. You know? I think because I'm still in college, a part of me is like, I'm not quite an adult. And I think once I'm out of college... Yeah. Honestly, if I land like a minimum wage or not a minimum wage job, a uh, like a um, career salary kind of thing, yeah, that level I'll be like, I'm an adult. I'm you adulting. Start, yeah, you can nine start. to five. But you know, to be honest, a lot of a big part of me kind of longs to be avoid the nine to five life. Yeah. I think that's just something in our generation where we're like man, like I just, I kind of want to do my own thing or I want to start something big and me, I, I don't know if that's sort of like my upbringing. I think that's a portion of it. And even the fact that we're doing this podcast is sort of like an attempt to reach out and, and create something and, and do something different than just the nine to five. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think if there's, if, and when there's a point where I'm doing that or I have kids, I'll probably be like, okay, I'm adult, but I'm a Definitely. big baby at heart. You know, Definitely. like that's kind of like, that's sort of where my train of thought. I think there is something interesting about like saying, oh, you know, you're in, like I'm in college, so I don't feel like I'm an adult yet. I, I think there was definitely part of it for me, like especially freshman year of college, because I was like living in a dorm. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you have this sort of, and and freshman year people are crazy. You know, like they, they well that dorm to go was wild, that dorm know? was insane. So so you know that that sort of had my, um, you know I I I was far removed from from that like lifestyle but i was also like yeah i don't really feel like i'm i'm kind of an adult yet i'm i feel like i'm at summer camp in a lot of ways you know yeah where you're like eh, i'm gone from my parents but i'm not like grown up yet it's really- and then and then when i when i moved into this house actually um and i started to kind of more like ease myself into into you know basically just paying for everything being my own person essentially um and then at at the same time there's something that that is like once you once you are totally on your own you have no um you know you don't have like a safety net basically you're paying for all of your own stuff that's when you kind of are like oh yeah okay well i'm (laughs) i have to i have to do things i have responsibilities enough that i have to do things in order for me to not get evicted right (laughs) exactly so so i think you're probably more of an adult than i am because i'm still living at home yeah 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 i mean i'm just a bum where yeah i mean it's i mean to be honest count your blessing because it's it's nice but yeah i'm a bum that works at a least, full-time job and is going to school at, you know at least you have your own room that's that's nice that is yeah i that, still share a room with two other people so that's okay at least they let us record in this lovely apartment speaking of ghost stories legit like your closet was flashing lights before we started doing this show yeah yes it was Creepy. Couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Ask the other question. I don't I don't like uh, flashing lights. Really? Uh, I don't like it either. But that's because I I don't know. There is something kind of moody about it. I like you know? I like an occasional strobe. You know, just coming from a light design perspective. But 
you know, just too. Every now it, and then you walk a corner and then one of the street lamps are flickering and you're like, ooh, this is Ooh, you know, this reminds you know? me. Yeah, this reminds me of Rise of Skywalker. You know? <laughs> oh, no. That's what it reminds me of. So, yeah. Uh, Ari- um, bleh. I just mixed Ariel and Eric in one word. Uh, Ariel and Eric. Wouldn't asked, that just be Eric? <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Eric. Who <laughs> knows? <laughs> um, they asked, what is your least favorite movie that you have ever seen? Ariel pitched in her least favorite was Alita Battle Angel. It's the worst. Mm. I heard a British guy going on uh, this huge rant about how great that movie was. Yeah, I heard mixed things about it. I didn't. I, I heard it wasn't that bad. It looked like a video game. The worst movie that I have seen in theaters used to be, used to be Aquaman. Ooh. Horrible. It's kind of a good pick. Horrible movie. Yeah, those DC films were, were big snoozes. So, uh, yeah, Batman, it, Batman, it, went, it got worse. Yeah, that was a thing. It was a, it was a de- degradation from Man of Steel, which is like it's okay. Yeah. It's not very good. Right, right. But um, not yeah. It's it's like uh, Juzo's gonna hate me for saying this because he he absolutely hated that movie. But it's not a it's not that offensive. It's it's like it's bad, but it's not like terrible. Then. Batman v Superman, which is awful, really bad. Yeah. Then, um, <laughs> Justice League, which is like oh, Justice a League. level of bad that that is it almost induced, ridiculous. It induces like boredom. Yeah, exactly. For being such an action-packed film. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very so strange. bad, but it's so um, not bad enough to be actually good. Wonder you know? Woman was kind of carried by its cast and upheld, but I watched it and I was like. This looks bad. Like, the movie looks bad. Mm. And it's weird for me to say that, because that didn't usually bother me. Mm. Um, although, I, I maybe it is starting to bother me, because I watched Revenge of the Sith last oh, night. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> throwing up in my mouth a little bit. And then Aquaman. Aquaman came out, and I, I walked out of that theater being like, I think this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, I was so upset about wow. that movie. I thought it was um, ridiculous, terribly acted, terribly shot it just looked like it it was just it looked it looked like a high-res version of the like 60s batman cartoons but without the like heart that goes into that you know it was just bad it was bad all around um and then then i saw a movie a little movie that came out this year called cats And cats is the most horrific let's just, thing. Let's just let, let let's just let that chuckle speak for itself, there, Cameron. Cats is the most horrific movie I've ever seen, actually. Uh-huh. And I've seen. I want. I want to say, I saw a lot of really um, messed up movies in one of my classes that I had to, that I that I took in college. It was a horror film class, and he was really into like kind of messed up movies. Oh gosh, I saw a lot of movies like that. But I've never seen anything as horrifying <laughs> as cats. I've never seen anything as horrifying as cats. Serious? I'm I'm serious. Every single frame in that movie. I want to watch the, the I want to watch the 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 negative day one patch version. You know, because you'll never pat- you'll never find it. It's just you'll too never. bad. I watch. I mine wasn't updated yet. You got to watch so if the you unupdated? See, if you see it in theaters right now, it's not updated yet. Really? Yes. Oh. They released that they will be <laughs> updating the, the visuals, but at an unannounced date. Um, so if you see it right now, don't. if you're ever going to see it, 
Now's the time. <laughs> now is the time because it's it's a train wreck of awful. There, no, someone is gonna bootleg pirate that version. I know it. You know someone's gonna. I, I'm sure it will exist, and maybe that's the way to to go so that you don't give this movie money. Yeah. Um, which I did. I I paid for my ticket full price. And now sixteen seventy five. You practically have given it an award. Yeah, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. Worst. I can't, you know, I can't really think of the worst movie I've ever seen. There's a lot of movies I walked out of that just felt like garbage. I didn't, I didn't really like them that much. Um, you know, I was talking about Ghost Story the other day. Oh yeah, you yeah you you really hated it, but you I, didn't get past. I didn't finish it, so yeah. I can't really say. You know, movies that I can't finish, movies that I, like, stop halfway through, I'm usually pretty pissed about. See, Juzo, Juzo also is not a big fan of, like, really slow movies. Um, and, I mean, I'm not either, but I can, I have a tolerance for them after film school. But, but he really, really liked it after, after the end. So, mm. I, I would recommend trying to sit through it again. Maybe, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the, the movies I can think of that I couldn't sit through was Ghost Story, and there was a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal that was so anxiety-inducing. <laughs> I mean, sitting next to my girlfriend and watching it was too much. We had to turn it off. And I, and I, that I mean, that's good. That hasn't really happened to me with a film in a while, and like you say that's good. Like the movie that I had to turn off with Juliana was Train Spotting, uh, uh, and it's not the Jake Gyllenhaal one that I'm talking about. Train Spotting, that's where I was like, "This is good." Yeah, like in my yeah. mind, I was like, "We can't." Like she can't handle this. It was after the the definitely dude, you know which part definitely yeah you know which part <laughs> if you've seen the movie. Um, <laughs> she was like, "I can't handle." There's this. like a there's like eight parts in that movie that <laughs> yeah. you, you could be like, "All right, I'm gonna dip out." <laughs> she was like, "I can't handle this. We need to turn it off." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Okay, we can turn it off." And as I turned it off, she was upset, and I was thinking to myself, that movie was awesome. Yeah. You know? It is really good. This movie really good. was not. Oh, what um, is it? It is a movie, uh, something demoned, uh, Nocturnal Demons. Nocturnal I think the, Animals? Yes. Yeah. Nocturnal Animals. I couldn't handle it. The beginning is art house slosh. Um, do not watch this movie, especially if you're- I heard it was good. I, I did <laughs> not like it. Um, All right. There, there is a scene that is just vi so visceral and disgusting that I just, I don't know, I, I couldn't handle. I, I personally, I was like, this is something that I can't see someone sitting through mm. and saying, I, that was worth it. Hmm. I was like, it's just not worth my time. And maybe that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to break you at the beginning, which is like good, yeah. good for them. And, and we, this is a conversation that Cameron and I have had a lot, right, about like films that are unapologetically not supposed to be entertaining they're there to punch in a statement but i just i don't know there uh, there have been a handful of movies that i've that have been like oh this is so like horrifying that that it like it's hard to sit through you know yeah um yeah so i get that and, if, and, if, and a lot of people a lot of people can't really handle that yeah um and and that's 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 fine if you i honestly like if you don't want to see that kind of thing that's like I think that's that's totally. You know what's surprising is that the other movie. There's one more movie that came to mind, and it was Angel Has Fallen, and I saw it this year. <laughs> it was the most boring Call of Duty action movie I've ever watched, and I was just bored the whole time. I was just bored. 
Mm. And I really, I really, really want to see it chapter two, but the seats were sold out. Yeah. And I, I, and I didn't yeah. get to see it. Yeah. And I had to sit through that and I was like, this sucks. Damn. So, I mean, part of, part of that was the mood, but nevertheless, uh, if you want to ask a question on the show, uh, you can submit your questions on at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast. If you are a patron at a specific level, I don't know, what was it? The $5 level? I think so. Yep. $5 level. You can get a question on the show and you can get access to our monthly exclusive episode of nothing to do with anything. We know one didn't come out last month and that's because we are going to do something special this month for the episode. I'll tell you what it's going to be. It's either something video related or it's going to be something with a guest. Uh, and if ne- none of those two things happen, it will for sure happen eventually. Um, but I think we have a, I, I personally am voting one hand. I have a good idea for it and I'm excited about that. Yes. So you should get excited about it. That's right. So if you want to hear that, uh, special episode of nothing to do with anything, support us on patreon.com. Um, that episode is also uncensored. So be warned. Cameron's big potty mouth comes out. Whoa. I've never potty mouthed in my life. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars to spend, remember, just tell friends and family about the show and give us a rating on iTunes. That is how this podcast grows. Finally, almost 25 minutes in. Oh, my in, goodness. Uh, we are about to get into the topic at hand, and it is triggered by an event that was recently announced, and we'll kind of dive into it. This episode is going to be a little bit of an open-ended brainstorm. Uh, Cameron and I are going to be talking in essence, sort of about loyalty um, or just the idea of content creators, whether that means you are selling a product, uh, selling a person, uh, selling some sort of thing that you created, you know, running a YouTube channel and their relationship with the consumer. Um, And this sort of comes through with an announcement of Sony not attending the E3 conference in LA. Um, for the second time in a row, they have backed out. Now, last year, if you don't know, Sony did not go to E3 because they just said, it's the end of a console generation. We don't have a lot to announce. The games that are coming out are already announced, and we just think we're going to sit this year out. Um, but this year is a big year. They're releasing the PlayStation 5, and they are known to be at E3 doing a big stage presence saying, hey, you know, we are presenting this new console. Everyone get excited. Everyone's coming together as a community, right? And they openly came out um, just a few days ago. By the time you heard this, it, it's been maybe... Like a week. last, Like this last week. A little less. Yeah, this last week. Um, they've come out and they've said, you know, this is not relevant anymore, essentially. Yeah. They've said, like, we have found new ways to communicate with our fans. And, I mean, they said this weird phrase, like, we're going to be at a hundred other things, and we have our own ways of communicating with people. Yeah. And I think, you know, surprisingly, Sony in the past has been almost, like, ignorant to what the public, in in some senses, they can be ignorant. They've been a little bit, like, isolated, I would say. Right. They've been isolated from from sort of, like what their what their big fan base wants but um, they really like struck a home run with the PlayStation 4 yeah. they had a great uh what was it 2013 or something where they showed that when they totally uh kicked in the crap of Microsoft I think Microsoft, it was 2014 something like that yeah. 
Or it might have been 2013, actually. They were showing off the new consoles, and they yeah. did this famous skit that was probably shot in the green room in the back <laughs> where they were like, this is how you share games on PlayStation 4, and it was like somebody just handed another person a game, whereas yeah. in Microsoft they had this whole... Uh, like DRM and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah Always this, on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the one interesting thing about Sony is I think they've actually had a... Uh, hit and miss relationship with with e3 just generally you know um like there was that famous e3 ps3 announcement where they were like it's gonna be six hundred dollars and you know (laughs) blah 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 and 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 i think they said literally you'll get a second job to get it (laughs) yeah probably not the best pitch and yeah and so so like, that was a big embarrassment for them. I think that might have been, like, 2005, 2004, 2005. Right. That was a big miss for them. Then, um, even just a couple of years ago, remember that they had that weird showing where it was, like, they had, like, an orchestra, and it was different, like, stations. It wasn't really a, a press conference. Right. In they, the traditional sense. I guess there's been a tension between the ESA and sort yeah. of the people who put on the show with kind of like a, is this event for the press or is this event for right, the right, public? Exactly. Um, and that was sort of an idea that the, I, I just listened to a giant bomb cast. They were, they were covering um, this sort of topic. So that's where my reference is. Um, but, but I guess Sony has always been like, this should be more of a community celebration. And you could totally see that with, um, the the last presence that they had at E3, they had all those, you're right, the strange musical performances, the famous flute yeah. performance <laughs> that people made fun of. Um, yeah. yeah, but but there, there was a, back in the day, there was a sense that E3 was, was like for industry people. Yes. And it was like an exclu- kind of an exclusive, um, it, it was a, it was an exclusive show where basically media people would, would all conglomerate and everybody would kind of drop their next thing and promote their next thing. Um, and it hasn't, it, it's evolved from that to now allowing people, everybody basically to come in. And that has changed the tenor of the show to being more like PAX East or more like, you know, something else. And they've, they've had, and remember we went to one of these, um, they've had PlayStation experience, um, in the past, which is basically their own fan convention. So why would they compete essentially with, you know, they've got, they've got Xbox there. They've got, they've got EA there. They've got a bunch of other people who they have. Well, EA is not really there anymore. Oh, did they, they do an offsite EA play? Oh, that's God, like God, a pre-show. God. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're not the only one. I think, I think the, uh, uh, I can't think of this phrase. The writings in the something. Writings in the walls. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, ghosts. Um, yeah, but like E3 is on the down, on the downslide. Yeah, right? for sure. But, so, but there are so many other conventions. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Many other conventions have popped up. Um, you know, it's, it's been the same with a lot of things is there's been a democratization. Um, so what I wanted, like this, I, this, this announcement sort of got me thinking, right? Just sort of the, the, uh, supplier consumer relationship, over the last 20 years and, and how it's changed with the internet and, and like when, when Sony announced this, I was just like, okay, like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to hear about it day one. They announced it on the internet. 
Yeah. You know? I just feel like there is a conversation to be had about the like the microscope that consumers can have on some of these companies or, or product creators or, you know, uh, personalities, mm-hmm. right? And how that has really changed the way people can present a product. Yeah. Cameron, what are your thoughts on that? What, like, am I sort of triggering any specific thoughts about a content creator you know or maybe something in the well, films industry? Yeah, I, I, have, I have a few things to say about this idea because um, one, of the, one of the most frustrating aspects about, um, I mean, all media nowadays is basically, I, I, I guess it was, it was the same way in, in the past, but... Um, it seems to be amplified, I think, is what we're getting at. Yes, yes. There's a tendency for people to um, really dig into a certain fan base or a certain culture, um, and I think it's most it's most apparent in the sort of like it, it was it was really big back like probably four or five years ago, but the like nerdosphere, you know, where it's yeah. like it's like nerd culture is was a big thing, and and I guess it was a in quotes it was a good time to be a nerd, you know. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, it was like all of that identity as a person, like all of that identity as, as sort of a fan of these things was wrapped up in a certain consumption of these things. There was no, there was never any creativity from, from the fan base. And it was always a, you know, Oh, I need more, 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 you know, I need more movies like this. I need more games like this. I need more, whatever. I need more, you know, Funko Pops and, you know, stuff like that. It was all, it was all just, it was a consumer mindset in, in sort of the purest sense. And, and the frustrating thing about that is many people, I think, got swept away in basing their identity in what they bought. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're kind of tapping into that that fan base culture. Right. And, yeah. and this can, this stems into so many different aspects of culture itself, especially in America, because you know, that's sort of the perspective we're speaking from. Right. Um, this, this branches off to so many things, but you even think about like, just like, I mean, I know we just talked about video games, but console wars, yeah, and then that stems from something as small as like cell phones, right? You know how many people have done that stupid party stand-up bit where they're like, "Well, I used to be a green speech bubble, but now I'm blue, and I figured out that girls don't talk to me because I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't have an iPhone or something." <laughs> like I've heard that, I've heard that conversation a million times. You know, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. Well, it was annoying when you used to have an Android phone. But mostly because you would, when you sent me one text message, it would be like eighteen of them. <laughs> I still like Android phones. I'm not gonna lie. In any case, but like, like even that, like that whole fan base thing is just weird. Yeah, it's it's like you tied your identity in with with, um, I don't know, with with a thing that you consumed, a thing that you bought. But I think it's human, right? 
it's human to have to find a group for stability. Uh, yeah, right? I guess, but it, but it's also <laughs> it's also a weakness. You know, it's not a it's not a positive. Those you know, some what I strong mean? words, Cameron. I kind of like it. It is. It is. It's a weakness. If you wrap your identity, and this this doesn't just go for like being being a consumer. If you wrap your identity in a um in in anything that's one dimensional whether it be you know oh i'm a gamer or oh i'm a blah 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 um and and i don't know it's it's it ha- it's if to me it feels like you are not a whole person you're you're just a consumer you know you're just a someone who is who is identifying with someone with something that something someone else created um and that doesn't it, you feel if it, it feels like a um you you're not you're not whole i just i uh, yeah i mean i think that's kind of an intense interpretation cameron yeah, um and but i think there is some validity in what you're saying um because here's the thing, you and I are both fans of of different stuff, and I hope in some case there is a touch of like skepticism even in being a fan of something, right? Um, I mean, I just, off the top of my head, I'm thinking about how much you and I like Star Wars a lot. We talk about Star Wars all the time on this show, right? And half the time we're just criticizing it. I bet you most, some of the listeners probably hear it and they're like, these guys don't like Star Wars at all, you know? Yeah. But in reality, I think it's that sort of like self-check, right, Cameron? So I I think it's a tendency to still affiliate yourself with something or be a fan of something, right? Like that's an okay thing, but you're sort of challenging that and saying that there's a specific way to do it, right? Yeah, you can be a fan of something without making that your identity. Mm. Um, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, and I feel like that is a, an obvious step, you know, like I, I am a fan of many things, but I, I do not identify myself with that, with those things. I, I'm separate from, from, you know, my, my fan base. I guess, I guess the closest that it would be is like, I'm a fan of movies, but I also am you know, trying to do that for, for a living. And so even then it's, it's not that I'm a fan of just the consumption of it. I'm a fan of, of participating in it as well. Yeah. You know, and, and there, there's something, um, I I don't know. I get frustrated when people have sort of this, like you said, you know, a sort of blind loyalty and a, the, I, I think half of the reason why people get so angry about about the you know the Star Wars movies and they have these like long you know hour and a half videos about <laughs> about the Star Wars movies half of it is because it's it's part of their identity mm. um, is being a fan of Star Wars and, and I think I find that to be um, weak apparently yes I do I do <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny Cameron. What do you not? No, I I I think it's insightful, uh, the way you put it, and a little intense, <laughs> um, but but insightful. Truthfully, I 
I was going to sort of try to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. for your point. Yeah. And push an idea of like, well, if you don't stand, like kind of the idea of if you don't stand for anything, like what are you doing? You know what I mean? Because I think that's kind of a quick um, assumption, right? And and I don't want to talk about politics in this episode, but I think it can be easily related to politics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like if you don't, and, I, and I've heard this from my dad actually, who I like to talk about politics with a lot, is I will butt heads with him yeah. a lot on different things. And he's like, well, what do you stand, like, what do you, like, which side are you on? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really like, you know, I, I will, I'll lean where I, where I want to, but I have to come to a point of reason with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And openly, like I usually lean a little bit more conservatively. Right. But it's like, even that, like there is a insecurity in me that's like, I can't claim that title because of like there's there's like restrictions to it you know there's restrictions to my identity when i attach myself to something like that you know what i'm saying and it kind of uh, comes yeah as in there there are personal um assumptions that uh, there are assumptions that other people make about you but it goes on, back to the yeah identity. but it goes back to that thing of identity like it doesn't define who i am right if i have those beliefs right i'm not a fan of a specific political ideology Instead, it's like. Well, you could be a fan, but you're not a you're not a you know a, radical a cultist. You're exactly. Not a, you know, you're not someone who blindly follows. Um, right. And I, and I think that is the difference. And that's that's a that's a same difference with what I'm talking about. And this is sort of. I'm sorry that I I I meant to just drop that and then and then move on to more interesting things. But but I this this to me is a very um it's very prevalent in our culture being identified with either a movement or a group of people or a product yeah something support for a person yeah and and it's it's almost like if you do or do not do x then you're a good or bad person you know what i mean mm, like mm. you're if you're attached to someone in a certain way or if you if you enjoy or if you're a fan of of someone's films, then then you're bad, you know, or you have you, you have wrong opinions, and you know you're just that your whole identity is wrapped up in that in that idea, um, and I don't like that. I I think to me there's um, to me just to to simplify you down to what you consume is is. To be honest, it's kind of inhumane. Can individuals justify that um, summary of a personality? Because in reality, I think some people do like cave into that pressure and say, well, my identity is in this thing, period. And that's why most people have an assumption about, well, when someone says, you know, they like Michael Bay films, you're like, they just... You know, and they're unapologetic. They're like, I like, uh, you know, I just, I like Michael Bay films. Like, that's just my thing, right? Like, then people will be like, anyone who says they like Michael Bay is just like that one guy I met, you know? And then it's like, well, that's just the way culture is today, right? Yeah, I mean... Like, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you're kind of saying people just assume that and I don't like that, 
right? But can you blame a culture that constantly staples themselves to things and forms that into an identity, right? Oh well, yeah, I mean, I I th- I think you can blame that <laughs> that culture, but but at at a certain point, culture is so tenuous. I don't I don't really like to use that term, but it's very um, it. I think I think everybody in their own personal experiences, they see the the sort of avatar of of a person, and they see the real person. Mm. You know, they see the. They see, basically uh, what I'm trying to say is they see the Twitter version of a person and they see the the actual human being. Right, right. Because I think I think the Twitter version of a person is the sort of um, the boiled down, unnuanced, uh, very quick trying to get attention uh, version of of you know their opinions. And then you sit down and talk to them, and they're like, "Well, you know, actually, it's, it's a exactly. little bit more. It's a little bit more gray." And and then there's also, I think, a lot of times, unless they're sort of challenged in a public way, I think if you sit down and have a conversation with most people, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't <laughs> like. I I could be swayed essentially. Yes. And, yes, and that's the thing is like in my in my experience because I'm a very I fight a lot. Um, <laughs> I argue a lot with people. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm more or less unap- unapologetic about what I, what I think. Um, and, and I, I'm never, I, this is the thing is I don't, I don't ever try to be rude about it, but if someone says something that, that if, if someone challenges me on an opinion that they think is wrong, like I mean, I'm just gonna give my reasons. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't beat around the bush. You know, there's no, there's well, no I, pretense in that. And honest- so, so what that what that means for me is that um, I will get into conversations where I'm defending a kind of unpopular opinion, but in a way that that I think is um, interesting or nuanced or you know has some gray area in it, and and I think people kind of see that and they'll they'll more they'll respond to that better than if you're just like on Facebook posting a meme. <laughs> exactly. I know you that know? this can kind of seem like an ambiguous derail, but it all loops back. Cameron. And I think that's actually a reason that a lot of people like you. Mm. I'm not even kidding you. I know there's people that don't like you for Nobody it. And <laughs> to be honest, you could care less. You're, yeah. you're a little bit of an <laughs> a-hole true. in some situations. <laughs> but but I think that taps back into the people who are content creating or making things. And it even ties into this podcast that we're doing, right? We stick to one thing. We'd be ourselves on this show. Yeah, We're just authentic in that. Flawed, failing, you know... We're recording in a bedroom. Doesn't matter. We don't care, you know? Like, and and when we stick to that authenticity, it's like people know what they're getting and they're not, you know, if they don't like it, they don't like it, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's just how it goes. And, it's and be us. that doesn't mean that we can't improve certain aspects, right? Cameron and I are always talking about, well, what are we going to do with the show? Like, how are we going to improve it? Are, are there opportunities for us to expand in, in some ideas? And, we're not stupid, right? That's that's something that we like to explore, and that's something that we are going to explore eventually. Mm. Um, but like, 
like that sticking to our guns basically has made this show not only more enjoyable but like a serious like passion project for us like right, it's something right. that we care about and when I sit down with Tim Smith as much crap as I give him and he talks to me about the most recent podcast anybody who reaches out to me about the podcast mm-hmm. it's always great to hear like what they think of it and what their thoughts are on it and they'll like straight up I've had people be like yo your podcast is like not very good here you know and it doesn't bother me because I'm like well, it's just, it's, I mean, it's kind of me and I kind of see like where you're coming from. I see how it's like, it's flawed in those, in those areas and in those situations. And so how, what I'm trying to get to is I'm looping this back around to the content creators, the companies that are producing things or, you know, the small, you know, like whether it's video or even personalities, Yeah, there has to be an authenticity for that liberation, right? That freedom. And I think a lot of these companies, like, I mean, Sony's announcement, I would hope that they would just move forward and be straight up with the way their stuff, like, works and how it, and how it, how it happens, right? Yeah. PlayStation 4 was an explosion, a huge hit, because of that small announcement in 2013 at E3 where they said, this is how you share your games, it's straightforward, done, done. And I don't even know if they realized what they were doing. But they knew that it was something that was like, people are going to like this little stroke of like, you know, honesty. Yeah, 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 exactly. Honesty. Like you, I think it's especially true when you get to the bigger, the bigger ends of being a corporation where it's like, well, you know, we can't, we can't, we have to have, we have to use certain language. We exactly. Have to, we have to have a certain spin on things where, where pe- I think most people are just like, can you just like tell me like can it, yes. like can you not try to spin this um like i i just want to i just want to know what what you have to say i just want to i just want to see it for myself and, and if you give me the spin if you lie to me if you tell me something that is you know um you know a hyped up version of the truth i'm going to get mad at you because because that's not a, that's not what i want from you maybe i'll be disappointed if you if you you know let's say sony comes out and they say you know the the PlayStation Five, it's not going to be as as powerful as the as the Xbox One, but that's okay. We don't need it to be. You know, if if PlayStation said that, sure, maybe I'd be disappointed a little bit. But at the same time, I would also respect them for just coming out and being like, not trying to spin it, not trying to be like, we have thirty two teraflops of exactly. this and that. You know, where you're like, where you're like, okay, but how does that stack up? You know, how does that perform? How like can't you just be honest about about what you're what you're giving to me? Mm. And this is why this is why it's so hard to identify yourself with um, with a certain thing, a certain company, or a certain whatever it is. Like the, <laughs> there are so many other people who are just like you, who just you know, who are fans and want you know, want a certain thing and have strong opinions about a certain thing that the company is just, for the most part, they're not going to be able to, 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 to fix everything. They're not going to be able to give you everything that you want. And so if you identify with that, like, like the defeat is, is harder for you, Mm. I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. The defeat of being disappointed is much harder. Whereas if you, 
if you take stock and be like, oh man, that was really disappointing. But maybe there's an opportunity for me to 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 fix something here. You know, that's always the best. Um, the best solutions are those uh, that other people come up like like other people will come up to solutions that uh, to problems that other people will have basically mm. um as in you know you'll say something you'll say something like like oh we couldn't do x y or z for this product and i'll i'll say hmm you know i was really really looking forward to this i think a lot of people would look forward to this um why don't I just do it? Or well, yeah. why don't I just find a way to 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 fix this problem this is, for you? Like this is just simple economics, right? You know, competition breeds excellence. Yeah. Eventually. In a you know, in a free market situation. So like that's the positive benefit of companies just being straight up and honest, right? Like we're recording on a MacBook right now. Mm-hmm. And Cameron, you and I have been talking about Apple products for a little while. <laughs> I have been like indoctrinated into using <laughs> Apple products. Which um, is weird. It's weird for me to see because I mean, I've never been a fanboy of, of any tech things. I, I just, I, I like using Macs. I think their layout and whatever, you know, I think the ecosystem, the ecosystem right. um, is very intuitive and it just makes sense. So I, I was raised in a um, Apple hating household. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so maybe you were indoctrinated then. Maybe maybe, maybe this is like a rebellious spirit yeah. in you're my like adulthood. The, you're like the Amish kids who go out for um <laughs> for for room yes, with our poor <laughs> you know you know HP laptops or something. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I, like essentially my job uh, working for a church. Everything runs in the ecosystem, the Apple ecosystem. Silence. Oh my goodness. That's my brother. Glenn. I should have picked that up on the air. Pick huh? it up again. No 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 no. Yeah, whatever. Um, I'll call him back. We're almost done with the show. Um. Yeah, I I was kind of forced into using their products and a large part of me was like, man, I just I just hate Apple products. I just hate them, you know, and I have to use them. And when I started using them, I was like, you know what? There are a lot of great things about Apple products that I never even thought about, you know? Mm. And when I started talking to them about my to like to my brother, he was like, "Oh my goodness, Glenn <sighs> really wants it." Okay, he asked for it. Hello? Hey. Hey, um, dude. Yeah, uh, the, Isaac, I, Isaac, I'm panicking. Um, Why? Where's the Switch uh, um, port? Nintendo Switch? The charger? I have, I have the Switch. I need the port. The charger? The port. The dock. Yes. <laughs> ah. The By dock. the way, you're on the air. You're on the show. Oh. Oh, you no. big nerd. <laughs> Isaac, you pick up? Because Isaac, you I... called twice, dude. Oh my gosh. Isaac, I'm panicking. I need the switch talk. <laughs> um, I th- I'm pretty sure it's next to the fireplace. That would be my best guess. Or somewhere in there. Because we were playing Smash Bros out there. Okay. Alright, okay. good luck. It's in the house. Bye. That's the best hint. Bye. <laughs> I think he's going to hate me for that. Well... Anyways. What a nerd, dude. My brother's a big stinking nerd. Oh, I totally lost my train the, of thought. You love the Switch anyway. Oh, yeah. You're so, a big fan, boy. Yeah, so no, I'm a you're big talking fa- about Apple. Yeah, so this was the weirdest thing about it. 
is I started using the products and I was like, you know, there's a lot of benefits and because of my hate for them, I see the flaws even louder, but I'm starting to see like the good side. And the one thing I noticed is that when I started saying like, you know, Apple's not too bad. The fans popped out of the bushes. I know, right? I know, like, there's just a bad, like, you're just, oh my gosh, they're so good. And then my friends, my old friends, they said, you're using an Apple product? (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Uh, It's just, like, that, it it was a weird transition for me, and now I I consider myself... um, Agnostic. Quite agnostic. In a lot of things, you know, in guitars... Like I swore myself to the uh, Fender, the Fender brand and the Taylor brand. I was like, I love these guitars; they're the best. And then I'm sort of forcing myself now out of that. Yeah. Um, am I going to buy a Fender next? Yes. After that, I don't know. Who knows? A music, Who knows? a music man. Did somebody say that? A Gretsch. Oh, uh, I actually played a Gretsch. I wasn't a fan. Oh, okay. But I was thinking about Chapman guitars. Although, oh yeah, Chapman's good. Something like that, or um, what was the other one? There were some high-end ones. I miss my Gibson the custom, hollow body. The custom shop guitars, um, like, there's some local building, local built guitars. Yeah, one um, of my friends guitar got, showcase. One of my friends got a Halo guitar. Oh, um, so when you, when you get a custom shop, they have to be built by a Luther, who is mm-hmm. apparently someone who's worked on guitars for like over eight years or something. Oh. It's an official title. And then Luther. you become a, a guitar smith. Is That's what a Luther is. Oh my goodness. So they are master class. Sick? And you spend like 3K on these guitars. Like yeah. they're like hand wired. Yeah, yeah, of course. The, the wires are created themselves. Like, yeah, but if you're going to spend a bunch of money on a guitar, you want it to be handmade. Oh yeah. Like, come on. There's a group in uh, Portland called uh, Vert. Vertalis or something. I guess all the worship guys, use all the church people, they play them, all the Bethel stuff. Yeah. My uh, w- my boss actually plays one. Sounds mm. incredible. Yeah. You see, it's the same with cars where like, uh, you know, I saw Ford v. Ferrari. Exactly. There's a big yep. scene. There's a big scene in the middle of that, or early on in that movie, where he goes through the where, you see the warehouse, the, like the factory, where they're producing a bunch of Fords. And then they go over to Italy. They go to Ferrari. Yeah. And you see their fer- factory. Tiny little house. Basically, a bunch of guys putting together, putting together, you know, hand-built uh, each part of the of the Ferraris, they're like, yes, every one person they 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 put together the engine, you know, <laughs> and you're like, you're like, are you kidding me? Like one person, one person will put together, you know, a specific part of the car. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's the same way. We're like you know, the mass produced. Anyways, this is totally off topic. Doesn't matter. I don't even know where I got to this. In oh, brand case, loyalty, right? In any case, here here's what I suggest for the consumer. Like, just to recap, yes. because I know we've been going all over the place, and my brother called to recap, as a consumer, to not swear yourself to stuff. I think a touch of, like, a detachment of brands, whatever it is, like, from your, what'd you say, your identity. Yeah. Cutting that out of your identity and enjoying them as a fan is a healthy thing. It's going to help you oh, kind of, so like, look through it in a in a... In a non-biased way and you can have an ounce of skepticism something we actually haven't talked about is like the opposite where you're just hyper skeptical of everything which is just you know that's kind of where you're at Cameron. well i, think I mentioned that's like one no, your, no no I'm no ju- i'm just kidding that's I'm not just it kidding. that's not it i mentioned this briefly where people people turn from being hyper fans as in ha- having that integrated into their 
personality, mm. having that integrated into their identity. They go from hi- being hyper fans to being absolute haters when yes. when they get disappointed. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's that's the cycle, right? That's what happened with with Star Wars. That that's what happens with everything. It's like one thing will disappoint you. You'll become a. You'll just be, be loathsome. You know, it was so. It was personal. It was personal. Right. The offense was was, I am offended by by what you did because it hurt me personally. Yeah. And that you can't. You can't do that. You can't because because as much as and this this I I kind of fall under this to be honest. I think everyone does. I fa- right? I fell into this. I still do because I still hate that movie. Fell into this with with the rise of Skywalker because I I felt I did feel personally offended by that movie. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad, Karen. It was. It was to me because I, you know, and a lot of people felt that way with with the Last Jedi. I didn't. I, I enjoyed parts of that movie. I think parts of that movie are really good. A lot of that movie is is really bad, um, and so yeah, there, there's you know there's there's give and take there, but with Rise of Skywalker, I felt like they were really um, stepping on the grave of things that I loved as a child, <laughs> and that's that's what really that's what really offended me. Um, that was like the overarching offense that I took, um, not just the fact that it was dumb and it was bad. And it was, it, was poorly, pre- it was really dumb. It was poorly put together. Not just that. It was that they resurrected things from my childhood that I loved and just made them made them horrible. <laughs> made them so bad. I am the Senate. And, and you're like you're like this um and yeah, and it it kind of did destroy a part of my identity that was and I think people who grew up you know, loving the first, the original Star Wars, Star Wars, and then you know, seeing the prequels, they probably had the same feeling. Um, Have we talked about Star Wars enough this episode? I think I don't know because it's the closest that I feel a connection to a brand like that. Mm, mm. It, it, that's for me the one that's like, like, like I said, when when we talked about Star Wars a couple couple weeks back, I said Star Wars basically shaped my life in you know i i decided to go into films filmmaking because of star wars right um and so that's the closest that i've ever felt to being like that destroyed by (laughs) by something that i love you know Mm -hmm. um where it was like it was like oh this this actually like really hurts me yeah i was chuckling most of the movie yeah, I wasn't. I was really angry. I was I was having a good time. I was really upset. I was <laughs> I was like laughing at the trash fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was in cats. <laughs> um You needed that. You need some of those sometimes. Yeah. I think I so did I see them back to back? I think I saw Star Wars and then I'm, cats. I'm doing the recap. Give me okay. a second here. Okay, go for it. Consumer or you know, fan, separate it from your identity. Someone who's creating, making something. Producing something, making a product, the idea of being honest or authentic in what you're making, it's liberating. And I think like yeah, those two things together sort of summarize like the successes 
and the failures of consumer relations, you know, fan relations with different products, brands, whatever. I know that's a huge overview, but I, I love the idea of, that we've just been sitting here kind of like brainstorming and honestly, like we kind of just pulled that idea through conversation, right? Yeah. Talking about it. Any closing thoughts on this, Cameron? Yes, I will say, here, here's the thing. One thing that I've criticized, and I'm going to take it back to movies because this is the only thing that I know. We're just talking about our fan. Like, you can apply this. I mean, whether you like sports, right? You oh, like. Man, don't you hate those people who are just like, I'm a sports dude. It's my team. And they hit their chest like three times. Like, there, there's, there's, a, there's a great way to be a sports fan, and it's to not just be a fo- sports fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is the same with everything. This is the same with everything. There's a great way to be a, a person who plays video games, it's to not <laughs> only play video games. It's a good point. It's a good point. You know? Um, I think books is probably the only thing that you can get away with just doing. <laughs> no, because then everyone you talk to just falls asleep. I guess. That's but probably it's also, the biggest. But, yeah, but you're smarter for it at the same time. Yeah, well, I guess, so, so, you know, in a weird prideful sense, you can yeah. cross your arms and chuckle, ha ha, all these peasants, it's just unwise hard. It's just and hard uninformed. To, you have to just, you have to expand your mind. You have to be, you have to be interested in many different things. Yo, pass me that blunt. You just have to take. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You have to take your mind, and you gotta you gotta wrap it around. Open it up. You gotta yeah. take the universe and put it inside your brain. <laughs> just thinking of that scene in Death of Stalin where they cut open his head. <laughs> <laughs> My father. <laughs> That's a good movie. Oh, it's so funny. Um, so, anyways, what I was gonna say with with movies is there's a perfect example of someone who has 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 gone through the full spectrum. Of, of being a consumer, to being a consumer who is also a creator, to being defined by his by his past work, and then to kind of transcending that in in his latest work. Who are you thinking of? Can you guess? No. His name is Quentin Tarantino, and oh. he he has gone from he when he when he was a kid or when he, you know when he was growing up, he spent most of his time. Working at Blockbuster, working at Video Rental. I don't think Blockbuster was around, to be honest. Maybe it was. Who knows? Yeah, it was. Um, he was working at at you know video rental stores, and he would just watch old movies. He would just he would that's all what he would do all day, every day. He would just watch old movies, and so he became that's who he became. Someone who loved movies, and then he transcended that, and he made his he well he. I think he made a couple short films, but he financed his own movie called Reservoir Dogs um, using his own money, basically. Um, he got a little bit of help producing, but um, yeah, he, he he shot that film uh, and it kind of took off. And, and his next film, he made Pulp Fiction, and that was an international hit. It was a it was a huge, huge, huge film um, that he made for like, he, I think he made it for like um, two million dollars and it blew into like over $200 million. Wow. So huge return. Um, and then over the years, and my, this is one of the reasons why my favorite movie of his, one of my favorite movies, I don't know if it is anymore, is, um, is Kill Bill because it is a, it is a total conglomeration and honoring of everything that he loved when he was a consumer. 
you know, he's taking everything. He's taking ideas from this and that and that. He's mashing them together and he's making his his own statement on it. He's making his own his own movie on it, and and it's so fun because you can t- you can tell he's having fun with this, you know. And then you get to a point in his career where he becomes Tarantino, and I say that kind of with a you know skeptical eye because he becomes Tarantino the character not Tarantino the artist and I think Hateful Eight is probably the best example of this he's super leaning into his like ego yes yes even though it is a good movie I do enjoy it I really it's like fun it. yeah. um, but he is he is being Tarantino he's pleasing the Tarantino expectation essentially mm-hmm. people who are fans of him you know this is what they want, basically, is what he's saying. And then this new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has transcended himself in a way that I think is um, new for him and a way that is really going to be interesting to, to see in his career, um, like in the, in the timeline of his career. Because he, he made a movie that was so... Um, quiet and soft and contemplative compared to the rest of his movies. And people didn't, some people didn't like it. You didn't like it. (laughs) Right. And part of that has, I think, I think some of that has to do with the fact that people wanted a Tarantino movie and that's not what he gave them. He gave them, he gave them a movie that was soulful, that was, really coming straight from the heart i think um and and i think it transcended the the sort of stereotype of what of what his movies are and so i think that's the full spectrum i think it is Mm. and so my challenge to everybody is to become um become someone who's not just consuming on one end and then on the other end, someone who is not just an icon or someone who's who's not or maybe an idol would be a better word for it, even someone who's not just, you know, untouchable in the clouds. But yeah. Ra- range the full spectrum of of, you know, I would say the range, the full Tarantino spectrum. Mm. Yeah. And I think this applies to a ton of of different different things not just film i mean obviously cameron's talking from film i talk a lot from games because i'm a big nerd too um but you know i like the idea of if you're a consumer why don't you give it a shot you know because if you're going to complain about everything have you ever tried to make it yourself right yeah um and and it's not like i don't say this out of any personal spite of anything right um, because if if you are a creator and you're coming in with that approach, you're not going to hear any valid criticism, right? I mean, there are, there are people who are music critics or film critics that don't make music or film, and they actually kind of know what they're talking about yeah. in, in some ways, right? Um, so you don't have to be a creator, but I think if you really want to, like one of my favorite, and, and we've talked about it on this show, one of my favorite books that I ever read in high school was to kill a mockingbird and that idea of stepping into someone else's shoes and walking around inside of them a little bit. That's like one of Atticus Finch's famous quotes. And 
like that I think can be really freeing for someone who might have an identity attached to any sort of loyalty. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's like a good sober self-assessment in any, in any sense. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think the, the same thing applies to creators, right? Yeah. One exactly. of the th- like just personally, when I think about this show, it's like, could I sit through this whole conversation? Well, I do. I listen to the show back. I don't. I know you don't. <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. I listen to it and I'm like, this has got some problems here and there. But it's like that sort of thing. That's like that 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 sober self-assessment of being like, am I selling something that people can truly love and not just compromise love? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just, oh, I like it 75%. Like anyone yeah. that bought it, like, because I'm being a, a gamer nerd, anyone that bought an Xbox One, right? They're just, you, I don't know anyone who owns one is like, I love my Xbox One, you know? Well, now they do because they got Games Pass, because they got so right. many uh, perks. But, it's come yeah. around. Yes. It's come around. So, just like those concepts, we leave be, them here. Be the change that you want to see. I listen. One last side rant. <laughs> I just listened to the the uh, Joe Rogan interview with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I didn't really like it. Really, I listened to some of it. It sounded like Robert Downey Jr. leaving a speech for his funeral. <laughs> and I get it. You know, once you get, I one, guess a little one, bit, Once yeah. you're given a platform, you can speak and sort of like try to tap into that. Uh, contemplative, contemplative. Look, I can't even say words, right? <laughs> and we just tried to talk deep for a second, right? So, like, but people try to tap into this, like, intelligent, you know, oh, like, reflective kind of thing. And it's just like, are you being true to yourself, though? Mm. You know? And I, and I think he was. I think he was being true to himself in, in some ways. But I just, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I buy I, it. I felt like, I felt like he felt honest to me. Um, I think they're the tenor. I wanted them to go longer, to be honest. Yeah, it was only an hour. Yeah, I think the tenor of their conversation was like just kind of picking up steam and then then they cut it off a little bit. That's the best part about Joe Rogan's show. he, He lets you go for so long that you can, you basically become... Who you actually are? You can't. You can't pretend for three hours. Exactly. You can't. And that so was my he, favorite thing. I listened to the Black Keys on there. Oh yeah. Awesome interview. If you like the Black Keys, even if you don't, mm. that you just get to. You really get inside the mind of that like psycho drummer. Yeah, yeah. Like it's <laughs> just. I think his name is Dan. It's really funny. There, there is something too that like. The, the, and there are some guests who are just open automatically. Right. Who are just like there. There and gonna stay there, you know? I think that's why he has whenever, a lot of comedians on. Yeah, whenever like Joey Diaz is on or like you know, people like that where you're like, man, you are just <laughs> you are just like always like this, aren't you? And yeah. and half of it is because they're just friends and they're just, you know, goofing around basically. Right, right. But, um, you know, but with when he interviews politicians or when he interviews... When he interviews actors and things like that, it does take a while. You gotta like, yeah, it. They're in the TV mode. Yeah, and then they realize like, oh, this is different. This is right. a different conversation. Joe is not gonna. 
He's not going to ask me that. So, um, blah, blah, blah about this movie, blah, blah, blah. That was my you know? favorite. That was my favorite thing, actually, about listening to the interview with Robert Downey Jr. Is that he would ask him questions that weren't set up for a specific answer. He would ask them questions that like you or I would ask, you know what I mean? That's, that's the best thing about him is, yeah. is he, he asks questions like, yeah, so wait, like how, <laughs> when you guys have the green screen and stuff, do you, do they like put you in, in like different costumes and things? Like, is that hard to like <laughs> pretend that there's a big, you know, Hulk next to you, you know? Yeah, and like yeah. those questions, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that like we would be curious about. That's why his I, and uh, it just piggybacks on what we've been talking about. That's why Joe Rogan's podcast is number one. Yeah, because he's authentic. Because he he is exactly who he is going to be. You know, <laughs> no bones about it. Yeah, he's got no, no nothing to hide. Yeah. So take it as you will. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of Everything Comes from Something. Thanks for joining us, JD. Do a podcast. JD's gonna if you want to do. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. You know, we'll shout it out if you ever get it going. Yeah, whatever. You know, he hit me up about distributors and something like that. I'm telling you, if you if you really like, every, this is the thing. Is everybody's doing a kind of everybody's doing a podcast right now? Everybody's I will thinking stick, about doing a podcast. I will stick by my guns. I made a podcast when I was 21, not when I was 33, and <laughs> like down on my luck with a family, and I want to do something with my life. I did it before then. Yeah, of course. When I'm 33. And I got a family and everything. That's when I'm going to start making music. That's when I'm going to stop having a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, knows? though, it, it kind of is like Poker's Night, you know? What? Our podcast. What's po Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when guys have, oh, man, I need to get, a, get away from... <laughs> From the poker night. From my wife and my kids and that's my job. That's a good idea. Gotta that's just a good do idea. poker night. Yeah. I think that's what we should do. Poker night? This would be the poker night. And maybe it will be profitable. Eh. Eh. It probably never Who is. Who knows? Who knows? All right. That's going to close it up for this episode. Thanks for listening. Everything Comes From Something is a fully fan-funded podcast that happens because of listeners like you. I'm not stealing that from PBS. And a huge shout-out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you for supporting the show. I know I've been saying that part for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes, but seriously... You guys have been a huge blessing for making sure this podcast continues to go. Remember, if you want to support the show just like they do, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. Throw a couple dollars away. Get a couple benefits. Remember, all the benefits, if you're a Patreon, are done through Patreon. Patreon Messenger. Yes, you can just shoot us a message right there and boom. We'll see it. We'll put it on air. Um, that's, that's how it works. Take advantage of those. Again, if you don't have money, totally cool. I know. I'm a broke college kid. I get it. You can just tell friends and family. Spread the word about the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It's a little different. People or your friends will like it. And you can always give us a rating on iTunes. That seriously helps. Again, we thank you guys for all the support that you give us. We love you. And we will see you next week.